It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. All right, boys and girls, we are back with another edition of the Ben Dominich podcast brought to you by Fox News. You can check out all of our podcasts at foxnewspodcast.com. I hope you will rate, review, and subscribe to this one and share it with your friends, uh, particularly given that we have an excellent conversation today with author Yoram Hazoni. Yoram is one of the most prominent voices within the movement of national conservatism. His latest book is Conservatism, A Rediscovery. It's one that analyzes the development of conservative ideas over the course of decades. And it's one that is worth your time. Yoram and I get into the thick of it. I mean, this is an interview where he really delves into a lot of different elements of uh, the nationalist conservative movement that I think haven't really been touched on. So I hope you will enjoy this interview, listen to all of it, and share it with your friends. Your Mazzoni, coming up next. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Yoram, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, I want to talk to you about your book and uh, your perspective on uh, the developments of all of these arguments that are happening within conservatism today. But I think I would be uh, remiss if I did not ask you about the current status of uh, Israel's situation and everything that has happened in the last several weeks uh, that I think has raised uh, a lot of concerns about the developments there and, and everything else related to that. Just give me your perspective on what's going on and uh, what you would like an American audience to understand about the elements involved. Well, that's a very good question. I would say that uh, Israel, Israel has, uh, has always had and, and uh, will for the foreseeable foreseeable future have uh, pr- problems that are uh, related to what's essentially a border conflict between the, the Jewish state and, 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 uh, and its Arab neighbors. Uh, and um, th- th- this, is, this has cooled dramatically over the last few years because of the Abraham Accords. Uh, that there's a general movement of uh, Arab regimes uh, towards Israel, towards alliance with Israel and against Iran, um, which has made the prospects for peace uh, just the best that we remember in our lifetimes. But it doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that there aren't adverse players who are interested in, in uh, undermining that as, as best they can. But, you know, when I, I think about Israel today, I think that the, the greatest danger to Israel is in, in fact the things that are happening in America and Europe. You know, when my, my wife and I moved to Israel a generation ago, it, it didn't look like that. It looked like you know, Israel was at the edge of, edge of a volcano and America looked firm and Europe maybe a little bit less so. But uh, t- today, I think the great fear uh, that we need to focus on, even those of us sitting here in Israel is 
uh, the, the, the twin dangers to the United States, a rising China and the, uh, the successful bid of uh, woke neo-Marxists to establish hegemony in liberal in institutions across the United States and Europe. That's the biggest danger to Israel right now. And uh, I, Israel's not unique in this situation. If, if, I think the whole democratic world is, uh, is going to go down if, if America goes down. And um, so those are the things we need to focus on. You know, for someone who I don't know that well, I talk about you a lot. Uh, I have interactions with friends <laughs> who, uh, who will bring you up as being uh, a, an, an the emblem of a certain view of conservatism. And, uh, and they will say, well, you know, I, I think this or I think that, uh, and I agree with Yoram or I disagree with Yoram about uh, the, the nature of conservatism. Uh, I, I wonder if you actually intended to end up as being the emblem of a certain branch, a certain interpretation of what a conservative philosophy looks like, or whether it's something that you happened into by accident. It was pretty much by accident. I mean, I, I, um, I was born in Israel. I grew up in an Israeli family uh, in New Jersey. And um, I, I grew up with, with conservative ideas. My father, um, uh, was always when we, we sat and watched uh, uh, local TV news and there were these um, two New York Jewish personalities who would debate on the news every night, liberal versus conservative. And, and my father was always cheering the conservative guy, Martin Abend, and he always, whenever Sidney off at the, the liberal talk, he said, oh, it's the end of the Roman Empire. They, they, they don't know what they're doing. They, they don't know how to hold the country together. And he would just say that over and over. I kind of grew up with that in, with that view, and when I uh, when I got to, to high school, I started um, uh, reading conservative publications, and even more in college, when my friends and I uh, set up a uh, a pro Reagan, pro Thatcher um, magazine uh, called the Princeton Tory, and um, you know we 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 didn't really understand that there were competing versions of conservatism, and uh, as I write in the, at, you know, at the end of, of my book, there's sort of an autobiographical section. And yes. the, the main influences on, on us were uh, George Will, who in those days, in the 1980s, was a solid, serious Burkean, you know, maybe the most eloquent. And, uh, and Irving Kristol, who uh, was, uh, you know, despite what's happened to the, to the term neoconservative since then, in, in those days, Irving Kristol neoconservatism was very close to what we call nationalist conservatism uh, today. I mean, he, he, he was uh, uh, famous for thinking, saying, you know, we need to give two cheers for capitalism and not three. And the reason for that is because capitalism is the best engine for economic growth. But if you, if you don't have uh, religion, which he thought was the most important part of conservatism, if you don't have religion and nationalism to uh, restrain the market and to to apply appropriate breaks to it, then it'll end up, you know, melting everything. And uh, those kinds of influences, Gene Kirkpatrick, I mean, that that's the nationalist conservatism that I and my friends uh, joined the conservative conservative movement in order to support. Mm -hmm. And um, it it it's true that. Uh, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, the nationalist and religious 
uh, components in conservatism kind of dropped out to a large degree. And it kind of became, you know, all freedom all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't have been a symbol for anything if it, if it, if it weren't for the fact that in uh, 2016, uh, right before Brexit, right, you know, as, as Donald Trump was, was, was winning the, uh, the nomination, an, ac an old academic friend of mine, a mentor, call, called me up and said, you got to put together everything that you've ever thought and researched about nationalism, and you have to do it now. Just drop what you're doing, do it now. And I, um, I looked around. And I pulled my head out of the sand, and 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 looked around and and realized that um, uh, that there was real trouble coming for uh, for America and Britain and for for the other democratic nations. And I uh, I decided to write the book that he proposed. And it has sort of accidentally turned out that that's something that a great many people uh, in America and across Europe feel that they need. Now, there's plenty of people who, who find it all very unwelcome, but um, many people are, 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 are grateful to have this kind of uh, re revival of the, the old uh, George Will um, Irving Crystal conservatism, which which was very prominent in the 1980s, and no one is more surprised than me uh, to find that um, that there are not many people pushing for it. But our numbers are growing, and 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 hopefully a few years from now people won't be able to find me because the crowds will be so, of, of, of writers on this side will be so uh, thick and so many. Talk to me about the differences in terms of the definitions of nationalism between an Israeli understanding of the term and an American understanding of the term. Hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure that there that there are deep differences. I mean, nationalism is a um, uh, you know obviously there there are people who despise nationalism and they associate it with uh, you know, with Hitler's Germany. Hitler used the word nationalism to refer to his kind of biological imperialism. And um, there have been plenty of, you know, liberals and Marxists who've adopted Hitler's definitions, which is why a lot of people don't want to use the word. But if we're talking about the, um, you know, the sort of mainstream 19th century, early 20th century uh, usage of, uh, of the term, it was a, uh, a term that um, you know, FDR's administration had no problem using the term nationalism as as a positive term, and uh, and certainly countries like Israel or India, you know, countries that have some kind of anti-imperialist background. America also has an anti-imperialist background from its inception. All all all, the, all of those kinds of countries always thought that that nationalism was kind of like a um, uh, it was the good guys. It was self-determination. It was uh, freedom, freedom for your nation. And it was not difficult to recognize that in the Brexit movement, which sought uh, national independence from, from the overbearing European Union. Self-determination. Self-determination, the, the ability to make the decisions in London, rather than having the decisions made in for you in Brussels and having all of these these uh, 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 Brussels functionaries picking up the phone every day and calling you 
regardless of what part of the government you're in and telling you that you're doing it wrong and you must do it some other way. It's simply an independence movement, a national independence movement. And um, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's nationalism, it, it took Americans, the American media quite a while to figure out that he was a, that he was a nationalist. But I, I recognized, I, I understood exactly what it was uh, from, from the, the moment that I heard his acceptance speech at the Republican convention. Then, then, then suddenly I understood what, it, what, what all the objections are about. That his his understanding of um, the the need for borders to take your borders seriously, the need for uh, for for trade to be uh, constructed in such a way that it helps uh, that it helps your people. Uh, the the um, the objections to American. Uh, involvement in attempting to establish democracy and, you know, all across the Middle East and, and the Balkans. Uh, all of these are familiar nationalist uh, tropes. And, you know, the, the fact that uh, tr Trump has his own special personality and his unique style of the, the way he says things and all sorts of people don't like it or are frightened, frightened by that. But when you come down to the ideas that he was proposing, these are traditional nationalist ideas. And uh, I, I, I don't see why anybody should be afraid of them. I, I, I mean, I understand why people might disagree with them, but you know, the, the, the claims that this, that this kind of concern for, uh, for uh, the, the, the independence and strength and interests and traditions of your nation, um, you know, this is, that, that, that's what the American Federalist Party was all about. That's what the American Constitution was all about. Uh, so it isn't it, it isn't really something new. It's just the the style in which the message is delivering delivered mm -hmm. that makes it new. You know, Yoram, I you talk about uh, watching the uh, television growing up and seeing the people on there uh, disagreeing. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my family was dedicated viewers of the McLaughlin Group, and to see the fights that played out there uh, play out in 1992 in the run of Patrick Buchanan uh, for the presidency, which obviously was unsuccessful, but also was itself a critique of the George H.W. Bush agenda that I think uh, had some real power to it uh, and in, uh, you know, in a way was a uh, something that presaged the development of nationalism as a clarion call in uh, in presidential politics, whether it was from Ross Perot or whether it was from uh, you know Mike Huckabee and and uh, Rick Santorum, you know people like that, uh, or others who uh, you know really tried to uh, push that back into the fore. It was not something that that really seemed to have kind of of uh, political power that Donald Trump demonstrated that it did. Talk to me about nationalism as a uh, an emblem of presidential politics that kind of emerged in reaction to the neoliberalism, or however you would like to describe it, of the dominant elite in our politics uh, for many decades. That uh, that engendered its own response. Well, I I think what one of the, one of the key things that you need to notice is that uh, that Reagan and Thatcher. Um, we're still maintaining some kind of a uh, so, some kind of a mix between uh, liberal economics, you know, what what, what later comes to be called globalism. Um, so th there's some kind of a mix between that and 
uh, and a forthright uh, nationalism, the kind, the kind of nationalism that, um, that brought both Reagan and Thatcher to, uh, to ad admire the, 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 the Polish Catholic nationalists and to make it such a priority to try to help them get independence or the, the kind of nationalism that was expressed in, uh, in Thatcher's Falklands War, which is you know, really what demonstrated uh, Britain's abilities as, uh, as a renewed power on, on the world stage. And, uh, and that was very important to Reagan. And uh, for Thatcher, we later see um, as the EU project gets underway, uh, we, we get to see Thatcher talking, you know, for example, in her, her famous uh, um, Bruges speech uh, about a federal Europe as being something that Britain would never want to be part of. And, uh, and I think for both of them also, the, the, the religious component is something that people forget. Uh, Reagan's coalition, Reagan would not have been elected president without uh, an intimate working relationship with, uh, uh, with Protestant nationalists uh, like Jerry Falwell and Billy Graham. And, uh, and it was ex expressed in his administration by, you know, for, for example, uh, uh, Reagan proposed a constitutional amendment to return prayer to the schools. So um, wh what, what we got to see in those days was, um, I, I think, genuine conservatives uh, who understood that, that, uh, that individual liberties, which are you know, a crucial thing in the mix of, of historical Anglo-American conservatism, they understood that that was the thing that that was the note that they could keep hammering on to to bring the Soviet Union down, and uh, and it worked. But as soon as the Soviet Union collapsed, um, there we see this kind of um, I, I would call it a euphoria, uh, like a drunkenness on power that uh, that takes hold on the political right, and it expressed itself in uh, in this utopianism that. You know, that we first heard clearly, you know, ironically in George H.W. Bush's New World Order speech. If you go back and read that speech, I, I mean, you'll see that there's a very clear break between, uh, between Reagan-Thatcher conservatism and what at that point was adopted as, you know, what's the program now that the Soviet Union is gone? Because the, the, the idea of wrapping the entire planet in one single, um, uh, once one single legal system with uh, uh, American and, and, and European forces being uh, deployed to, to implement this one legal system around the world and you know all the talk of the end of history all all of this was I, I think a dramatic departure from uh, Reagan Thatcher nationalism and um, it it dominated for a whole generation I mean it, it, it wasn't until um, until it became absolutely clear that, uh, that Afghanistan and uh, Iraq were catastrophes and that China was, as a result of, of uh, neoliberal policies, China was uh, uh, beginning to threaten the United States, and not, not to mention the loss, of, um, uh, the loss of manufacturing jobs, which you know, I, I think it was sort of inevitable that that, that, that that would become very, very important to American voters as soon as they figured out that the yeah, that the promises that everybody would, you know, simply get high tech jobs and, and it would be fine, uh, weren't true. So the, we had a generation of trying out this kind of pure liberalism, uh, which, which I think you can't really call conservatism because it, 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 
without the nationalism and the religion, it basically had nothing to do with uh, American and British tradition. Mm -hmm. And uh, once it was allowed a whole generation to sort of carry itself to its absurd conclusions, um, you know, I guess retrospective, retrospectively, looking back, you know, we we can say that it was probably inevitable that there would be a uh, a, a nationalist uh, revival that would seek to try to uh, return uh, American government, but also also American corporations and American institutions generally to thinking in terms of what needs to be done to secure the to strengthen and secure the propagation of our country, you know, in, in, in generations into the future, that had sort of been lost. Um, so I, I think I think you correctly identify uh, Buchanan and Ross Perot and the others as um, uh, as having picked up on uh, on on pieces of this, but uh, but the time the, the time wasn't right. Uh, liberalism still looked like it was uh, uh, it was going to solve all the world's problems, and and now we know that that's certainly not true. Um, two years ago, I think it's it's important to notice that two two years ago in 2020, when the New York Times started firing uh, its employees for being liberals, and when Princeton uh, erased Woodrow Wilson's uh, name off the, you know, from the Woodrow Wilson School and 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 so forth across America, at at that point there was a, a dramatic shift and liberalism ceased to be the, you know, like the hegemonic set of ideas that that both political parties in America believed in, so it. At this point, we we're we're seeing woke neo Marxism. I, I would say at this moment as the uh, making a very strong, a shockingly strong, maybe successful bid uh, to become the new hegemonic set of ideas. And uh, those of us who are anti-Marxist liberals and uh, uh, conservative traditionalists, uh, Orthodox Christians and Orthodox Jews, um, all of us are watching the uh, the. The political world that we knew uh, collapse, and well, uh, can, can I interject? Um, Please, yeah, sure. As as, as the anti-Marxist liberal in this conversation, uh, liberal is our word. We would like to take it back if you would not, if you do not have any use for it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, ben, you got yourself a deal. <laughs> uh, my my view is that the nationalists uh, who you speak to uh, have a lot of great points. Uh, in fact, they have uh, excellent points of diagnosis of the problem. Uh, they they uh, you know, can, can identify it, they can explain it, they can say what's wrong with things. But in part by dint of the fact that they have very few political uh, uh, aficionados who are, or successful voices, who are aligned with them, I am not sure that they have the right solution. And this is something that I've been sort of weighing and, and, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure I've actually written about it, but it's one of these things where, you know, I, look, I, I think you're diagnosing the problems. I think you're very right. Uh, I don't know that you have uh, the solution for these problems worked out. Uh, and that's something that I hear, maybe not in those same terms, but I hear it from a lot of people who are sympathetic to the critiques of the nationalists, uh, if I can uh, you know, draw it with a broad brush. Um, you have in uh, the you know, United States Senate, I would say, 
uh, a handful of people who are uh, nationalist curious, let's put it that way, um, uh, and, and potentially, <laughs> yeah. uh, potentially a few more after this November. Um, if, if there are solutions, what do they look like? Well, I, I think the most, look, there's a, we've talked about a number of, there's a number of different fronts here. Um, all of them can be derived from, from saying, you know, very generally, un understood this is way too general, that uh, politics, politics had been balanced too far in the direction of uh, only individual liberties all the time and without sufficient concern for the possibility that there are such a thing as, as national interests that need to be defended, mm -hmm. uh, e even where those mean restraining individual liberties. So I agree with you, that's, that's extremely broad. But you know, we, we, we can point to particular areas where, um, where I think that there's many more than just a few um, nationalist curious uh, voices. So let, let, let's take, for example, um, uh, the the whole tech issue, where you know I I I find myself debating uh, libertarians like your own Brooke on 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 questions of mm -hmm. uh, if there's a cartel uh, that is suppressing political speech in your country, should the government do something in order to prevent the cartel from from uh, uh, queering national elections? Now, that's something that. Um, I, I think, you know, on if you're just talking about property rights, then, you know, all of these big corporations, they're owned by private people and they should be able to do whatever they want. But the the national interest or common good uh, is is a is a view that says you can't run a country like this. Well, and, 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 and just to just to interject, it, it, uh, it has this very fanciful definition that basically says only government can disrespect free speech rights, uh, which is just, you know, in, in the experience of your average American, they know that is not the case. Right. So please continue. Right, sure. So I, I, I think if you, take the, if you take that as kind of a template, I think there's a lot of issues on which um, certainly in, uh, in conservative states, you could get a majority. You could get a majority, for example, I think in a lot of states, uh, for, um, uh, for for uh, for banning pornography, mm -hmm. uh, banning pornography. The, the 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 current condition where every twelve year old has the hardest core pornography for free on his telephone. This is something that you know it, it didn't have to be this way. The United States. No, wasn't you used to, have to you used to have to steal it from your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but once you stole it, at from least your there was that natural barrier. It, it's true, but once you stole it from your grandfather, you still only had Playboy. It's not <laughs> it's not this stuff. Anyway, the the um, the I I think that the um, you know what I think I think it would be easiest to if I can predict a little bit to see what's about to happen by seeing the, um, the, the woke neo-Marxist attempt to take over the schools, the medical profession, um, lo lots of industries, um, even the government bureaucracy, 
this is going to have to be met with a countervailing force. That countervailing force is going to have to have some very basic ideas. And you're right that hashing it out, it all out into granular policies is something that takes time. But, um, and, and that's something that various outfits are beginning to do. If you come to the National Conservatism Conference in Miami, um, you, you, you'll be able to sit in on some panels where people are already you know, working out into policy. But, but I think the main thing that's still not clear, that is going to come, become clear in the next couple of years is that there, 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 is a, there is in the United States and in other countries, there is a religious awakening taking place, which is uh, so far, it's mostly off the radar. The, 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 the media don't seem to be uh, noticing it or willing to, to understand what's happening. And this, this conservative Christian awakening is, uh, it, it, it's positioning itself to take the lead in the war against, um, uh, against woke neo-Marxism. Now, there's going to be plenty of people who are not Christians. I'm not Christian. There's going to be plenty of people who are not Christians who, uh, who look at this. And, um, you know, some will be worried. And lots of them are going to say, well, if, if it's the choice between putting Bible back in the schools or continuing down the road that we, you know, that we're on between, you know, banning pornography or continuing down the road that we're on right now, then they're going to side, they're going to end up siding with the Christians. Well, let, let me let me ask you about that because look, I I you know I am a Christian. I I you know believe this very deeply. Uh, I am also someone who, as uh, a uh, classical liberal, I appreciate the importance of faith and uh, strong neighborhood as being a bulwark against the uh, uh, types of government overreach that I find to be anathema. Um, it's, it's, you know, a, a classic situation where if you have strong families and you have uh, Bible believing families, then you do not have the necessity for uh, vast swaths of, of welfare based government that invade you. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I think it's incredibly important, but it's also something that I think is very good for families and for children, et cetera. At the same time, I am, uh, I'm very much of the mind that there are resistances to this that come from uh, various forms. And I have to ask you about the, uh, the nature of this as it relates to the issue of gay marriage. You know, in the, in the recent, uh, the, the US Senate is probably going to vote within the next month on the codification of gay marriage in response to uh, Clarence Thomas's remarks uh, within the Dobbs uh, decision, his concurrence uh, about Obergefell. Um, and you see you know, plenty of people uh, who have basically said, oh, well, the, the conservatives, they wanna bring gay marriage back on the uh, debate stage. They want to you know, potentially revisit it. Is that something that's going to happen? Is it something that is at odds with a nationalist conservative ideal? And isn't there some form of conflict here within the, the conversation about this? Just given that, you know, one of the biggest backers of nationalist views of conservatism is Peter Thiel, who is himself, you know, in this type of, of relationship that 
uh, many Christian conservatives might find to be abhorrent? Well, there's a lot of questions there, and there, every one of them is, 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 is good and worth thinking about. Um, let's begin with the sort of, with the question, is gay marriage going to be back on the table? Gay marriage is already back on the table. Uh, if you um, noticed just a, f a few weeks ago, Kevin Roberts, the head of the Heritage Foundation, I did. Uh, released um, what, what I think in a few years is going to uh, be remembered as the shot heard around the world on this, this issue, uh, where he, you know, he, he's the head of the uh, the most important conservative institution in Washington, probably, <clears throat> and and, um, uh, and he said as explicitly. He's a very smart guy. I haven't I haven't had him on my program yet, but well, he's, he, I've he, met he, with him, and he's a he, very smart he, guy. He's smart. He, he's also just a a, a lovely person. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just it it's a pleasure to talk to him, both where you agree and where you don't agree. I agree. Um, but but this you know this particular move. Um, is, uh, you know, to, he, he's new in the institution, he's new in Washington, and he's basically drawing a line and saying, um, you know, on, on, on my watch, uh, we're taking down the names. I mean, this is more or less what he said. This, we're taking down the names of, of everybody who's voting to put, uh, to write gay marriage into federal law, and you're going to hear from us. You're, 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 you're going to feel the power of this reaction. Now, he, he knows that at, at the moment, um, he is um, he's taking the helm of uh, it, of a conservative movement that uh, you know it, it it it's got some wind back in its sails because of Dobbs, not just Dobbs, but you know ju just the entire um, last term of the of the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. I, I mean that this court has revealed itself to be the most conservative court on education, any... on the EPA, on all these. I mean, it's very yeah, clear. It, it, I, I mean. I, I'm not saying they're right about everything, and I'm not saying I like them about everything, but I'm saying that just as a general direction, none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes a, a court that is willing to go as far as this court Can is I, yeah, I, I don't mean to disrupt you, but, uh, yeah. but it, did it bother you as much as it bothered me that George W. Bush didn't say anything about Dobbs? Yeah, well, I, 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 did, I didn't think about George W. Bush in particular, but I, I think that there, there is a whole generation um, of um, uh, people who worked in Republican administ administrations and Republican politics generally during that generation of New World Order utopianism. And, um, and it, it has been, it's been really shocking to see the hostility with which they they greet. I mean, I, look, I, I was a, a very junior member of the speech writing team for George W. Bush, and uh, I, I was astonished that he didn't say anything. And um, I feel like it would have been the most easy thing in the world to say, you know, I'm proud of my father for appointing Clarence Thomas. I am proud to have appointed Justice Alito, and I'm proud that this day has come. I mean, that's that's the most, it's the easiest thing in the world to say something I, like that. I, I, I agree with you, but you, you, you know, you could say the same thing about, uh, about the intellectuals. Uh, I, I mean, you'll notice that. Yeah. No, it's know, true. The, it's true. No, the, the whole, the, the whole Bill Crystal, never Trump wing, you know, in theory, they, you know, they, in theory, they pretended, Bill, they pretended though, to be with us for so long. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even want to say, I don't even want to say pretended. I, just, just because, because I, I, I think that human beings are fallible and, and they're flawed. And one of the ways that they're flawed is, um, is that when you get into a fight with somebody, you, you uh, naturally gravitate to all the people who are fighting him and they become your friends and allies. And uh, I guess, man, <laughs> a lot of a lot of those, no, a, a lot of those never Trumpers have have you know discovered their their inner their inner liberal. Yeah. And um, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's dis dishonest, but I think it 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 is dishonest if they keep saying they're conservative. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I've disrupted your answer, but, but no, it's okay. So, but so, but so, so. to go back to go back to the, um, to to what's happening now. Kevin Roberts certainly knows that, uh, you know, he doesn't have at this moment, he doesn't have a majority with him in, in most places. And, um, but, but I think, I think that what he does understand is that, that the, um, that the takeover by woke neo-Marxism is it, that it, it doesn't just happen to have been something that coincidentally happened, uh, you know, six, six or seven years after a Burgerfell, there, there, there was an overreach of uh, Enlightenment liberalism, which, you know, just began in the 19, in the nineteen sixties, even earlier in the nineteen forties. It started pulling out the um, uh, the sort of uh, pillars of of uh, American public Christianity. You know, beginning by eliminating God from the schools, eliminating prayer, eliminating the Bible, and then and then proceeding, you know, through through a whole lot of uh, subsequent rounds uh, of 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 uprooting Christian tradition in America and biblical tradition, and uh, and where it's ended was is is with the uh, the shocking uprooting of the difference between uh, uh, men and women. Well, you, you, I wait. So, I, you are writing or you're describing something that I think that a lot of conservatives will agree with. Um, certainly, I've heard it from many, many of my friends uh, who describe themselves as conservatives and and view me as a a, a heartless libertarian. But when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to this, I I don't understand. I do not understand why you think one is connected to the other. And I would like you to explain it to me because, you know, from you my perspective, why, from, why the, the, why the Bible is connected to, uh, to, to trans issues. Well, no more, more that I do not understand why the gay men who I know in my life, who are married to other men, I do not understand why that marriage necessitates a redefinition of uh, whether you are allowed to be a woman or a man based on uh, hormones and cutting off your own dick or whatever you're gonna you know, uh, describe it as, in part because they are the most vociferously opposed to that of anybody who I invite into my house. Okay. Yeah. They say, they say to me, I, I, this is not the same thing. They say, this, this has no business being connected to us. You know, we are, we are men. We would like to marry other men, but that does not, you know, lead to 
a, a man swimming against a woman. You know, it does not, they are in fact, you know, the most, they sound like so Mari, you know, <laughs> on the issue. You know, they're, they're not people who are sort of attuned to that. They are very opposed to the inclusion of that and in their own personal definition of this kind of rights-based language. So why are those two things connected? Well, look, the problem comes, the problem comes down to um, you, need to have, you need to have very thick uh, traditions that is consensus with regard to how you use, how you use terms like equality and, and liberty. You have to have very, very thick traditional consensus for how to use those terms. Um, in in order to be able to create a boundary of the kind that um, that you're proposing, I mean, I, you're obviously not proposing it. I mean, yeah, just just to use one example of this that that is more publicly known because not everybody knows my friends is you know uh, Andrew Sullivan has been someone who's very vociferously opposed to including the kind of trans based agenda within the the marital agenda he said this on bill maher you know he's he said you know oh i'm just another cis male turf you know <laughs> uh and uh, and that's something that i think is i i don't want to say it's representative of the whole but it does seem to have some kind of truck to it that sure but look ben but by logic or reason you can create a you can create a boundary like that uh, but you can create lots of boundaries by, you know, by logic and reason. You know, like our 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 our, our, our Christian natural law friends, um, that you know, th they think that by reason that they can generate like a hard and fast rule that uh, that a, uh, a marriage is only between a man and a woman. And so, what the way I understand what's happening is that all sorts of really smart people. Are reason, you know, reasoning furiously in order to describe their desired boundary beyond which uh, the cultural revolution should not go. And the problem is, and this is, I this I think, I mean, this is not a matter of argument. I don't think I can convince you. I think it, it, it's a matter of experience. You have to just watch what's going on. Uh, I I think that. Um, that, that there were traditional definitions and there were traditional ways of doing things that, uh, you know, that, that, that go back many, many centuries in Anglo-American tradition. And they included things like, uh, of course, kids can study Bible in school. And of course, they can, you know, the teachers can talk about God and their prayers in the schools. And, uh, and, and they also included a, a tolerance for dissenting minorities. It included all sorts of things. And um, at um, among the things that we inherited from the past was um, uh, a, a regime that made it difficult to get uh, made it difficult to get divorced, uh, that gave great honors to people served in the military, uh, that that um, uh, considered uh, marriage to be between a man and a woman, and 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 many other things. And what we've been doing for the last. 60, 70 years, and it's not just, I mean, America is, you know, is, is the heart of it, but a lot of it is much more advanced in Europe, and it's true in every de democratic country. What we've been doing is we've been trying to use this, um, this political legal instrument of non-discrimination, 
which which is a it's a useful instrument which was designed to solve one particular problem. It was designed to solve the problem of persecution of blacks in the United States, the the abuse of black of the black minority in countless ways, public and private in America, and the the uh, the step of the the federal government. Uh, rearranging and reaching into to private institutions in order to stamp this out. This is something that um, that you know. I think all conservatives, you know, most almost every conservative that I've ever talked to about this, it is sympathetic to it. But the when that legal tool, which forbade discrimination between blacks and whites, was uh, then applied not only to the you know to that pressing problem but also to non-discrimination against women not non-discrimination on the basis of religion non-discrimination on the basis of national origin Th those four things were already in place in the 1960s and as soon as uh, they became kind of the new liberal enlightenment constitution of the united states and federal power was was pledged to stamp out any kind of distinctions um, on, on the basis of all of these things then there, there is no rational um, stopping point. There's no, there's, I mean, you, you, can, you can invent them, but in practice, because there's no traditional stopping point, no, 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 no traditions of where should this revolution stop. And so what happened is it didn't stop. And, uh, and, and so non-discrimination on the basis of age, on the basis of, of uh, physical abilities, on the basis of sexual orientation, on the basis of, uh, I, I mean, you could, you can, you can just keep inventing new things. Mm -hmm. And if this revolution is not um, forcefully stamped out, then it will keep inventing new things. Yes, and, and it does under Ibram X. Kendi every day. Right, uh, so, 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 <laughs> so, so, so to go, go back to, um, yeah. to, to Peter, Peter is a signatory um, on the National Conservative Statement of Principles. And- um, I don't, and I, I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to say this, and I don't mean this with any, disrespect because Peter is obviously a brilliant man. I don't see how he can sign that statement. Right. So I, I, I don't, I don't understand why so many people don't understand. Now I'm, I'm not his spokesman and I'm not speaking for him. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't ask him. Look, I've, um, I've met him I, once. I, I think he's a brilliant man. I just, uh, do you understand I've, why I, I, I would I, look at I, that I've, and say, how no, can I, you sign this? No, I, I'm actually on the, the other side of this. I, I can understand. I can understand why uh, why a brilliant, very private man like Peter could, now I'm speaking hypothetically because I've never spoken to him about this, but I can understand easily how he could say, uh, for the uh, for the good of the country, there need to be certain basic norms that society upholds. There, there, for the and, good of the and country, wait, wait, stop, destroy, wait, one, one second. What, I didn't, I didn't finish, that wait, I'm part I did, of. I, 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 didn't, I didn't finish the okay, sentence, all right? right? Look, I'm Jewish. And there are many things about Christianity that I find difficult and would would not want to uphold. But I can understand I'm, that I'm a small minority uh, living within within it within a Christian country, mm -hmm. and that that there need to be. But one uh, that wants, but one that wants naturally to like. I mean, especially within the conservative movement that loves you and loves your nation loves your people and not uh, you, just because you, of you, Seinfeld. You, listen, listen, I, 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 I very much appreciate the, the many pro-Jewish um, uh, conservatives that I know, but 
you know as well as I do that conservatism has has not been and will not necessarily remain pro-Jewish. And so let's let's and, just and talk that's, about and that's something so, that so, I tried to so, fight so back let, against so, with regularity. As, as okay, the, but let's <laughs> let, let's I, I I think you just as I as I as I joke, I'm I'm from the faction of people who think that only Jews should have space. Like <laughs> well, look, so, <laughs> look, I, Ben, I, I I really think that you you've touched the absolute heart, the, like the the white hot heart of this matter, and that is the question of can society return to having um, norms, um, normative and sometimes legal uh, assumptions about what is, uh, what is encouraged and what is, what is publicly honored, while at the same time living space for minorities who live differently uh, to, to live without persecution uh, in those same spaces. Now, I think that's possible. I'm, I'm not, it's, it's not necessarily going to happen, but I think that it's possible. It's possible to do that. And um, the, the place that I think that Orthodox Jews should have in this is not, you know, like in the old uh, uh, theory that everybody's, everybody's absolutely equal to everybody else. I think that, that Jews should be able to understand that being a 2% minority in, in a country, um, it, 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 it may be um, uh, plenty to justify uh, autonomy and being able to you know, determine uh, you, the, the way you raise your kids and the way they're educated and all sorts of other communal rights that we can think of. But the, the right of a 2% minority to, um, to alter, to uh, revolutionize the public space in order to try to make you know, Christians absolutely equal to Jews in America, I, 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 I think that that is simply a denial of simple realities of political life. In political life, a 2% minority cannot have equality with an 80% majority. That's not possible. And so I think that uh, the same thing is, and I, you know, th this is this is something that I've I've uh, I, I've discussed publicly with uh, with uh, uh, Dave Rubin and with Douglas Murray and uh, other gay friends, people mm -hmm. who I, I I respect and I cherish and I value. Yes. But but my view is that 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 they have as much interest as everybody else does. Everybody else in America, they have as much interest in, in as everyone else in America in a uh, uh, in a regime in which uh, uh, th there there is public recognition of um, uh, manage, marriage between a man and a woman, and uh, the 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 toleration of of you know of uh, uh, of the way that Dave lives or the way that Douglas lives is not something that contradicts uh, the the idea that the public life in a Christian society is going to be one that's focused on marriage between man and a woman. Well, we're I have to jump in. I have to jump in. Yeah, here. go ahead. So, so, I mean, Dave got an incredible amount of backlash when they announced that uh, they were having two children via a surrogate, and uh, he was attacked in, I, I think, really reprehensible language uh, by a lot of people who might be, and I don't want to, I'm in no way ascribing this to you, but I would say they were part of the same nationalist conservative movement 
that, you know, frankly, should have treated him with, uh, from my perspective, more respect uh, for well, I, what he was announcing in that in that moment. I, I mean, is, I think is, is this a situation where nationalism, and, and I say this with enormous respect for, for what you have achieved and what the people around you have achieved. Why does nationalism, why does a better approach to trade, an anti-utopian attitude toward our foreign policy, a you know, pro-America you know, approach to our uh, you know, economic values, one that would you know, shove aside the values of, you know, let's say the Chamber of Commerce for, for lack of a better term, but you know, uh, one that would put the American family at the center of our priorities in a way that I feel would be very beneficial. Why does that need to include being mad at a gay guy for adopting a couple of kids? You know, I was not one of the people who spoke out about this and, and I'm, I, I'm not gonna speak out about it now, but, um, but I was in the thick of, um, of receiving the reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, you, you, you're right that that moment when Dave, who, who uh, was deeply loved and appreciated um, across, you know, he's across spoken the, at your NatCon before, I believe. Right, he he certainly has, and uh, and 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 he may again. But the 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 deep love for uh, Dave as a, as a as a brother in arms across the conservative movement was very real, and like you, I was sort of. Uh, astonished by the reaction, but I want to try to understand the reaction. Uh, as as best I understand it, what happened was that Dave was not simply a um, uh, an anti-Marxist liberal who uh, said, "Hey, conservatives and, and liberals, we have we share some things in common, so let's fight on the things we agree on." He he wanted to be a conservative leader and uh, a, a conservative opinion leader and a, a, and, and a beloved conservative leader. And much of what he said, many, many times, Dave was, was talking about, um, uh, about a desire to return to a society that recognizes God, that recognizes tradition. He would say favorable things about studying Bible in schools. I mean, he, he seemed, he convinced a lot of people that he was willing, um, despite uh, personally being gay, to support a, a kind of a public return to a much more traditional life. And I think that a lot of the people who uh, responded in, in the way that you're describing, I think that they personally felt, um, felt betrayed. Now you can say that they shouldn't have been, they should have known, but leave that aside. I'm just trying to describe what I think happened. What I think mm-hmm. happened is, is that many people who'd been promoting, uh, promoting Dave and, and, and identifying him as part of their camp, they were able to do that as long as, uh, as they felt like, you can say mistakenly, but I think as long as they felt like, uh, like his, uh, um, his, uh, uh, gay gay lifestyle and his his gay marriage, as long as those were private and not central to uh, what they perceived as where he was leading, 
then I think they were just fine. I mean, I really do. I think they were just fine. What happened? Yeah, but, that doesn't, but doesn't wait, that? Wait, let me just say, let me wait. wait let ahead. me just tell you what happened at that moment, because now now I'm now I'm repeating to you what dozens and dozens of people told me: uh, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox Jews, and 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 even not non-observant Jews. Really, what, what they said was, at that at that moment when you got to see uh, Dave and his partner and the 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 two babies in the sonograms knowing that there are three other women involved. I mean, it's a marriage that involves, in, in order for it for the, to be able to reach this, this marriage has five people in it. It, it has the, the, uh, the woman donor and the two women surrogates. And for those people to see that picture with the three women left out of it, and it, it, they were shocked. This is, I mean, this is a fact. You could say psychologically, it makes no sense, but this is a fact. They felt like instead of, um, uh, homosexual marriage being a private thing that uh, that that was part of David's can private you, life. Can you see they, how they, they, they felt that this they felt Norm, this can you see how me be on the on the other side of this on the yeah. fact that I, I view that as being something that's both beautiful and also something where you know I support my friend you know Dave in this incident. Can you see how I would feel like the people coming after him that I, I don't understand this. Like, what, what did you think this was? Were you just using him? I mean, that's, no, that's come, the come way on, that no, I feel. Oh, come on. It, it, this was a, a, uh, a, mute, a, a mutual love affair uh, between Dave, Dave, who wanted a conservative audience, and the conservative audience that felt like he was well, champion. Uh, no, no, no. I want you. To, I, I want you to understand this, Yoram. I want yeah. you to understand this. We will beat you. Like we are beating you. We are destroying you in terms of the polling. Like there's no basis for an anti-gay marriage conservative movement. It doesn't exist. I mean, it's less than twenty-five percent. You, you are losing this argument. You've lost this argument. I don't know why you want to go back and fight it again. Uh, well, first of all, I, I, you know, you, you asked me what's going to happen. And I told you that, that, this, that, that, uh, that the gay marriage issue is going to be back on the table. It's already back on the table. No, I, I, I don't so, agree so, with you on that. I didn't agree with you on that. I, I mean, you said that. I don't agree with you. I just I'm saying to you, oh, like, okay, but you, you know, understand, but this, you understand, like is, you you you're picking is, you're picking but, a fight that you've already lost. Yeah, you know, the the problem is that that the um, everyone who agrees with you is going to die on this. Like you're 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 fighting a a fight that is you know, a you, you know ben, fight. Ben, you, you know the, your rhetoric as as suddenly turned extremely violent and <laughs> and uh and i i, I don't i no, don't know i don't, I don't think I, it's I, violent i don't think it's violent no you just all. you just said that everyone's gonna die so you know it, no, it, no it's i think a, it's a, i think it's, it's a very it's a, old it's argument a, i think it's, it's an a, argument it's a little bit it's a little bit violent people and, who are in their 70s and, and, and 80s. no i don't i don't think people are gonna die i don't i don't think the christians are gonna die and I don't think that the gays are going to die. Well, you know what? I'm a what, Christian what, what, and you're not. What, what, what I think is going to happen. Uh, do you want to know what I think is going to happen? Or, or have you heard enough? No, you can, you can say it. I'm just saying just as a fact, I'm a Christian and you're not. 
uh, I, th I think is a fact what is happening is that you, we are watching a, uh, a revival of a, of a Christian, a Christian conservatism, a Christian nationalism, which resembles in a lot of ways the, uh, the movement that put Ronald Reagan in office in okay. the 1980s. Well, what, what I and, would suggest and, to you and, is that this, and, this, this, and this a vote is going Wait, hold on this a second. Vote. A lot of, look, don't focus so much. Look, there's, there's going to be all sorts of votes. There's going to be all sorts of elections. We're, we're not talking about what's going to happen in three months. We're talking about what's going to happen in the next 10 years. What's the trajectory? And I'm telling you that the trajectory is that, that in the last generation, Christianity and especially Protestantism in the United States has been politically, emotionally dead as a doornail. The, the hundreds of Christian leaders across different denominations. I, I only got involved in this stuff when my book on, uh, on, on how to read the Bible came out in 2012. And then I, I, I started receiving um, uh, calls and requests for meetings from uh, hundreds of Christian leaders uh, who wanted to talk to me about what they saw as uh, the death of Christianity in America. And, and the death of Christianity was um, it, it, certainly things like Supreme Court decisions on abortion or gay marriage, certainly those things affected it. But the main thing that was affecting all of these pastors and professors and, 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 uh, and, and church figures who wanted to talk to me about the Bible, the main thing that was affecting it was that they said that they were losing their kids. And that that they that they couldn't they couldn't see how they could keep their kids Christian in in the cultural environment that was taking place, and the you know what they're describing is what they were describing is uh, the result of one loss after another after another that had gone on for two generations, and what's taking place right now and um, Dobbs certainly has a lot to do with this. But it's also related. It 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 is related to the uh, to the uh, to the resurgence of nationalism, and the Christian nationalism is connected to the status of the Bible, and uh, the the clarity with which these young Christian leaders are able to see the difference between woke neo Marxism, which is what's coming, and uh, a restoration of uh, many Christian. Um, uh, pillars of how society is supposed to work. The the clarity between those two things is 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 causing all this wind to blow in all of these sails, and uh, and, and you know you if uh, if we were sitting and saying you you know like as political advisors saying um, dear Christian nationalists it's not tactically a good idea for you to take on you know gay marriage. You know, so maybe we could all agree that it wasn't ta isn't tactically the best thing for them to do, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is is it's very grassroots, and it's it's um, and 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 it's very broad brushstroke. And I don't I don't think there's going to be a problem with um, with these Christian leaders uh, if if they if they do succeed in getting uh, building a coalition that 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 uh, uh, wins in a, in a bunch of states. I don't think there's going to be a big problem with them um, having carve outs for, you know, for, for uh, gay rights, maybe for gay marriage. I don't know. But I, I mean, these, these are things that are going to be negotiated. But what, what you can't, what I don't think you can stop is 
the absolute, uh, the, the, the dramatic revival of, um, of, uh, of Christian political activism and cr Christian nationalism as a, as a reaction to the destruction of the liberal order. Now, what's coming is not a new liberal order. What's coming is going to be a choice between something that is that restores big pieces of the the old Christian norms in public life, and a continuation of the the Cultural Revolution. And th those those people who who want 1985 liberalism, you know, you may think that they have the most coherent worldview that their arguments are the best arguments but it doesn't make any difference we tried 1985 liberalism and and it ended up targeted. being marxism <laughs> no 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 let me let me just say this to you yoram i have enormous respect for you and uh and i don't think that you are on the wrong track but what i will say to you is i think that there are i think there are strong elements to christian nationalism that uh, are at the center of their concerns about uh, the average American voter's concerns about the way they live, the way that uh, the Marxist uh, approach touches them, whether it's via schools, et cetera. Um, and then I think there are a lot of issues where the, the, the Christian nationalist is actually at odds with the American experience in ways that are uh, detrimental to their ability to succeed. I would include gay marriage among that, but I would also include pornography among that. I think that uh, you know, the idea that to have some kind of rollback that includes you know, uh, erasing the playboy generation, I just don't think that's gonna happen. And I also think that there are uh, numerous uh, legal issues involved with that. But I do think that your diagnosis of the failures of conservatism uh, is very strong and uh, is going to continue to be strong. And that the politicians who embrace it and go along with what you are arguing are going to continue to succeed. So I hope that's something that is an, an, an even-handed embrace of, of what you have to offer. Okay, well, look, that's, that's very generous. I think both of us are going to know a whole lot more two years from now. And, yeah. uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's keep talking and, and exactly. uh, maybe exactly. we'll be able to agree more later. No, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. You gotta, yeah. you gotta yeah. roll that out on the, on the roulette table and see what happens. So yeah. uh, Yoram, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Okay, th thank you so much, Ben. It's really been a pleasure. More of the Ben Dominish podcast right after this. So obviously we are living in an environment where everything is crashing down on conservatives in so many different respects. I mean, it's, uh, it's really a new world in so many different uh, ways of evaluating it. And unfortunately, I think that we are going to be experiencing this all the way through the 2024 election. We're going to see invasions of privacy. We're going to see you know, people cracking down on all sorts of conservative uh, members of society. That's going to come through the form of you know, IRS agents and like, but it's also going to come through the form of uh, you know, people trying to find a way to uh, eliminate Donald Trump from 
being able to run for president again. It's something that is really disturbing. And, you know, I wish it was not happening. But I think that one thing that we need to keep in mind in this moment is that there are people who are willing to use every mechanism of government in interests of, uh, you know, uh, trying to achieve everything that they would like, you know, when it comes to their outcomes. And that's something that I think, unfortunately, we have to understand and, and, you know, be prepared for. It's really disturbing. I mean, I, I can't believe that there are people who, you know, just want to use the FBI as their tool to keep you know, people that they dislike from running for office. But that's the reality that we inhabit today. So what I would encourage you all to do is to be prepared for a reality where the IRS, the FBI, the CIA, and and everything else uh, is used against the candidates that you would like to see succeed. I wish it wasn't this way, but that's the way it is. I'm Ben Dominich. You're listening to another edition of the Ben Dominich Podcast. We'll be back soon with more to dive back into the fray. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.